had God not redeemed our marriage, like the work that he did in our hearts, the work that that happened just through Jesus, like that, that would have been enough. And that's something we always want to tell people is that, you know, we do live in a broken world. Sin breaks things and we don't always get the redemption that we want. And, you know, that, that grieves the Lord as much as it does us. But there is purpose in it all. There is always redemption, whether that's of the relationship being redeemed or just the redemption that takes place in your heart. He doesn't waste any of it. You're listening to God Hears Her, a podcast for women where we explore the stunning truth that God hears you, He sees you, and He loves you because you are His. Find out how these realities free you today on God Hears Her. Welcome to God Hears Her. I'm Erin Eddy. And I'm Elisa Morgan. And today we want to share a story of God's restoration. Chris and Stephanie Teague are here to talk to us about the destruction and then the reconstruction of their marriage. It's a unique story with a surprising outcome. But first, some backstory on Chris and Stephanie. This husband and wife comprise the musical duo Out of the Dust, where their story of heartbreak, downfall, and miraculous redemption is woven deep into the fabric of their music. They had the quote-unquote fairy tale start to their marriage. They met in youth group and married young, but then it took a turn. Secrets, alter egos, drugs, and pride until their three-year-old marriage quickly collapsed into divorce. Heartbreaking, yes. But God wasn't done with their story. He worked a miracle, and eventually he brought them back together when the timing was right. And today, they're going to share that entire journey with us. This is God Hears Her. Chris and Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. One thing that I felt so inspired by as Elise and I were talking about your story was how real and honest and raw you are. Would you take us back to how you guys met? So Chris and I both were, gosh, in high school, we went to the same church. It was a very large church here in Tennessee. So uh, being in the youth group together, we still had never met because there were like 200 teenagers in this youth group. Oh, well. And we had both signed up to go on a mission trip. Uh, it was supposed to be overseas, ended up being to Philadelphia, you know, good old Philadelphia. <laughs> okay. So that was how we met, was serving on this mission trip. And from there... You know, we started dating, we got married a few years in, a couple of years into college, which was crazy, but um, it, it was a quick, a quick whirlwind of a, of a little high school sweetheart romance. Hmm. Oh, so wait, how long did y'all date before you got married? We had been dating. It was, it was three years. <laughs> three yeah. years. Yeah, about hmm. three years. Hmm. Oh my goodness. So how, how old were both of y'all at that time? 19 and 20. Yeah. I, I oh, was 20 and she was 19. Oh, pretty young. We were yeah. young. And... So young. How'd that marriage go? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Good question. Uh, well, we we had no idea what we were doing. And mm. I think we made a lot of mistakes. But one of the biggest ones that we made was, I, I think, first, just not even being old enough to know ourselves. That's not to say that people can't get married when they're young. Sure. sure. And it became a strength because we grew up together. You know, we, we, we found ourselves together. But I think the, the mm. one of the biggest mistakes we made was, uh, A, not, not having great 
and, and lengthy premarital counseling, and then B, just not having a community of people who mm-hmm. um, were asking us hard questions and people who we could be authentic with. Mm-hmm. We weren't our authentic yeah. selves. Yeah, I just think you don't know what you don't know when you're young. And, mm-hmm. and for us, right. I so think true. from the outside, we were doing all the right things. You know, we were that young Christian married couple serving in the church. We were on several different ministry teams. So it looked from the outside like we were doing everything right. And, you know, for me as the first year of marriage really started struggling. And I just thought, you know what, it'll it'll get better. We just gotta push through it. We're in school, we're working. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a rough patch and, and just ignorant to know to even ask, to ask for help or to know yeah. what was normal. You know, yeah. I think that's I think that's so really insightful, but it's hard to understand when we're young what we don't know because we think we're supposed to know, especially when we're young. I mean, I'm old now, I'm like, I know I don't know anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm really clear on that. But when I was young, I thought I was supposed to know. So mm-hmm. it was very, very difficult to admit yeah. that I didn't know or to ask for help because I thought, you know, I should have this. I've got Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you said, like, you don't know what you don't know, we didn't know we weren't being authentic. I mean, what would you tell yourself now who you were then to be able to bridge that? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. This, that was a therapeutic question, Aaron. So many things. I would say, man, I don't even know where to start. Um, To go back to the point, like feeling like you didn't, you didn't even know to ask and you felt like you had to have it all together. I think to know that Mm -hmm. there are older people and wiser people who would jump at the chance to speak into your life Mm -hmm. at any Mm -hmm. stage of life, but especially at that, that young age to, to just walk with humility and, and understand that you don't know what you're doing and to just have other people in your life who know the questions that you don't even know to ask. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. for me, when I think of my, you know, 21, 22 year old self, I think I would want her to know that it's, it's okay. It's okay to struggle. Mm-hmm. It's okay to fail. Um, because I very much, I very much am the, <laughs> I don't like to fail for one. Uh, I'm an achiever. I, you know, all throughout school, I was always top of my class, all that. So like failing just wasn't a thing. You know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't struggle. I should be able to, to in my own strength, get through this kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. for me, I think, I think that would have been freeing for somebody to tell me that, you know, it, you don't have to know it all. Like you don't have to have it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who can help you through this and that's okay. That's not a failure. Yeah, that's so that's yeah. so good. I think for I think I resonate with that too because I'm super curious. I like to ask lots of questions, and I kind of push the boundaries. And growing up in you know Protestantism, there, there's a lot of you know there's a lot of pressure to have the right answers, and here's the answers. Um, mm. But to have <laughs> to have someone give me the freedom to say like no, push and and ask and seek and find yeah. uh, would have been really freeing for me. Yeah. Y'all were married, newly married, you know, feeling like you had this pressure to like make it happen, like make it work. This is a season, like there was some hardship in school. So you felt like this is just a season. Do you feel like what was a season was really turning into a lifestyle and the culture in your marriage? We were working, we were in college, like you said. And when I was in college, I was going to the school for music and I'm a performer. So that was kind of my, my path. Um, <laughs> and... I 
was asking lots of questions uh, about faith. Uh, I was doing the, the often young person's journey of making your faith your own and asking you know, tough faith questions. Mm. Do I believe in God? Why do I believe in God? Um, is God real? Mm. Is God there? Does he care? Um, yeah. And while those two things happen at the same time, it, it probably wasn't the best recipe for a kid who mm. grew up kind of staying in the lines, not pressing boundaries, um, not sowing wild oats, because I had all those questions. And um, my father was an alcoholic and into drugs, and I didn't know him in my life uh, intimately, mm-hmm. but I had that kind of buried deep within me. And I, I started seeking and, and asking questions and finding the wrong answers in the wrong places. Um, I started getting mm-hmm. into drugs and alcohol. Um, a lot of that just out of shame. I was living this life on stage of, of having it all together, but behind the scenes, I'm asking mm-hmm. all these questions and didn't feel safe yeah. to ask that. So, you know, the drugs and the alcohol offered me some sort of placation or, or, or escape for that. Um, and I didn't tell anybody. I wasn't sharing that with Stephanie wow. or anybody in our life. Everybody just thought everything mm-hmm. was fine. Uh, and, you know, if you can imagine, um, duplicitousness, uh, being two-faced can, can uh, damage a relationship mm-hmm. Um, especially a marriage, a young marriage at that. And um, it just ripped me apart and it created a lot of turmoil in our marriage too. Mm. Man, what happened? What happened to your marriage? So I knew, I knew that we were struggling. I knew that he was, I felt the pulling away. Um, But Mm -hmm. again, I just thought it's okay. Like I was finishing up my graduate degree. It just was busy. It's fine. Um, so I just mm-hmm. kept thinking, well, if I bring stuff up, you know, we don't, our communication's not great right now. And I just kept trying to assume the best and which is not obviously hindsight's yeah. twenty twenty. but I just didn't press in. I didn't press into the warning signs. And, mm-hmm. um, one mm-hmm. night we always went to eat in my parents' house with my family on Thursday nights back then. And, uh, right before we were about to go, Chris sat me down. He said, Hey, let's, let's talk for a minute. And the words that came out of his mouth were, I don't believe in God anymore, and I don't want to be married anymore. Wow. And how long had y'all been married then? Almost three. Almost three years. Mm -hmm. That's a crushing thing. What was your immediate response to that? What was your feelings? I mean, that's crushing. I couldn't even process it. I mean, not Mm -hmm. not only was I never, ever expecting to hear either of those statements come out of my husband's mouth, I just... It's like my brain couldn't compute what was happening. Mm-hmm. I don't rem- It's like such a blur. Some of it, Chris says that there were like 30 minutes where I just didn't say anything. Because I didn't know, I didn't know mm-hmm. how to say anything. Uh, yeah, I, I just couldn't make sense. I feel like it. I didn't even know you back then because it all, that makes sense to me now. Like <laughs> how you I tell it. me, you say now, like when I get news, yeah. I think of the thousand things and I, I process things slowly. That's so true. So her, her mind was just all the thousand ways, all Mm -hmm. the details that had instantly Mm -hmm. changed about her life Mm -hmm. and what she was trying to do to Mm -hmm. control it, I think would be. Yeah. And just complete disbelief, you know, because that, Mm -hmm. that was never supposed to be a a part of my story. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, can I ask you, is there anything that made you stop believing in God in that season? 
you said you were asking questions, kind of doing the, the normal young adult stuff of making your faith your own. Why did you come to a, no, not for yeah. me. Mm. I think it was a lot of different things. I didn't know that there were Christians who asked the same questions that I did. You know, I thought it was like, here's the answers that, that Christianity has, you know, to the questions that you have. Yeah. But I wasn't really satisfied with, with the, the typical answers. I think at the same time, I also was kind of looking for a way out. I think I had mm-hmm. done all the right things. You know, I married a good girl. I had done the right things. Mm-hmm. I'd gone to college, my family, you know, like you got to do that. Mm-hmm. And I was still just so unhappy. And I didn't really know what to do with those feelings. So I was probably looking for a way out on the same side of that coin. I was also into drugs and and parties and and living life the way I wanted to live it. And so if you remove God from that situation, you know, the marriage covenant that I made, the promises that I made, well, you know, it doesn't really, I don't really have to really have to follow that. I I can do what I want to do and be who I want to be and and not have to worry about it and feel guilty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we spent about a month after that night still living together, trying to, I was just trying to understand, trying, I mean, obviously trying to change his mind, trying to understand how in the world he could have reached that point um, without me knowing. And there was just nothing, Mm -hmm. there was nothing I could do. There was nothing I could say. There was nothing anybody Mm -hmm. could do or say. We have, we had some really great relationships in our church of some guys and our pastors that tried to, to reach out to him. And, you know, he was, Chris was very cordial through it all. He wasn't angry. He was willing to talk to people, but his, his mind was made up. Yeah. Chris, what caused you to stay in the house for a month after? And Stephanie, what caused you to keep him? And what was that month like for you? It was really hard. I knew that. Yeah. I knew that I was in for it, if that makes sense. I knew that (laughs) everybody was going to come running to our defense. You know, Mm -hmm. it was, we love you and we care about you and we don't want to see you go Mm -hmm. through with this. But sadly, I'd made up my mind and I felt kind of like, um, I guess maybe I felt in my life sort of cornered, like I'd made all these decisions and, and it didn't turn out the way I thought it would or how mm-hmm. how I just assumed that it would. And I felt like that was the only answer. Yeah. So in a way, it was like, I don't know what else to do. And I didn't really understand myself all that well. Yeah, and I think too, you've said before, so no, I'm not speaking for you, but uh, you've said before that I think you still, you didn't want to hurt me. Mm-hmm. That wasn't your intention. Mm-hmm. You just... You knew what you wanted. Please, please speak for me. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> but you also, I mean, you didn't, you were conscious about like, I don't want to come across as the bad guy more than I have to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I've, that was part of but it. But you wanted to get a divorce. Yes. yes. And did you? Yes. Yeah. I, it was, I've described it as being an iron fist with a velvet glove, you know, very, mm-hmm. very decided, but very kind and cordial and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I sought a divorce lawyer very quickly. You know, Stephanie moved out, um, and I, I I pulled the trigger pretty quickly. Things were finalized after five months, six mm-hmm. months. Wow. Is it okay, Erin, if we go here? Um, I think a lot of women listening have been in Stephanie's shoes. Maybe not the whole alter mm-hmm. ego thing, but the being left thing. Um, and Erin... 
you've been in that spot too. So I I wonder if y'all can speak to the woman listening right now about how you just lived Mm. in those days. Yeah, I was just going to share. I identify with both of y'all's story because I see my story interlaced. Um, So I got married when I was 21, dated my former husband when I was 17. And um, I I found myself going through a divorce at 29. Hmm. You know, I did all the good Christian things you're supposed to do, right? Uh, Performance-based. And I grew up uh, in my early 20s, I did music too. Chris. And so I knew how to perform well and you had to make people feel good and inspired. And, and I desired that deep down I did, but somewhere along the way when I was seven, I believed a lie and it just was a slow drip that if I perform well, do things right, I'll be loved and live a fulfilling life. Mm. And so when I found myself 29, you know, going through separation and divorce and there was deception and betrayal and on both sides of our stories, I decided I've done all the right things. God, it was a great run. I'm going to go and run my own way. And I'm going to pursue my own way, my own quote-unquote truth. And um, I'm going to live a lifestyle that fills voids. It was void filler. Um, two things, though, that I, when I went through, it was like I, I had longed for, you know, nine years in a marriage for honesty. And I never experienced that. And I never saw hope. And there was a lot of destruction and a lot of darkness. And so then when I was out, there was still that because I personally wasn't rooted in truth, but I had desired for maybe there could still be a recovery or redemption. Maybe we will reconcile. And there was a lot of divide and a lot of dysfunction and a lot of just mess. And at one point I had to accept the reality and and believe that, Lord, maybe this is not going to be the reality that my marriage will ever come back. But I do believe you restore in different ways, maybe just not in the way that I want restoration. Hmm. I share that to ask, what would you share with the marriage that like, you don't know how God's going to restore? You know, you know, he loves to restore. And it's so beautiful how much he restored y'all's marriage. What did that journey look like? And then to also speak into the woman that may be feeling hopeless and wondering if being hopeful is starting to become destructive. Hmm. Oh man, there's so much in that. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. As um, our band, Out of the Dust, we do get messages every single day from women, generally mm. women who who are in the middle of it, who have very similar yeah. stories. And I mean, obviously the best thing we can do is just speak from our story and what God did and what we learned. And for me, once divorce was on the table, um, and I I had prayed, I had pleaded, I had done all the things, argued Mm -hmm. with the Lord, everything. Mm. Um, Yeah. But finally got to a place where I felt God tell me that, you know, a paper doesn't determine what I'm going to do, you know, signing a paper. And and I I had watched one of my best friends walk through um, a pretty hard divorce just the year before, very similar. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd seen just a lot of the pain that that was caused in that process. And so I felt released to sign the papers because I I had sent Chris, we were just emailing at that time, and I had emailed him and said, Mm -hmm. you know, this is not what I want. I'm still willing to fight for this. Um, but if this is what you want, then I'm I'm gonna respect that. I'm gonna sign it. So, fast forward at that point, knowing everything I had tried, nothing worked. 
Right. And, and I'm, I'm so black and white and problem solver and nothing had worked. Mm-hmm. And that left me in just the most desperate of places. And for me, mm-hmm. um, you know, you read through the Psalms. That, that was my heart. You know, it was yeah. just, God, where are you? Where are you in the middle yeah. of this? Why, why is this happening? I, you know, I did the right things. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, exactly. and I, yeah. I didn't yeah. get the like pat on the back. Gosh. You're right. You did the right things. God mm-hmm. so graciously showed me my own heart and my own sin that I brought into it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it yeah. was really easy for me to feel like I was, I was the righteous one. Chris, I mean, everybody could see it, right? Chris was the one that left. I didn't want that. Yeah. But my sin was just, I was a lot better at hiding yeah. it. You know, there was a lot of pride, mm-hmm. a lot of self-righteousness and just bitterness, judgment, all the heart stuff, right? <laughs> like the heart stuff yeah. that's really mm-hmm. easy to hide. And so it was, this was the summer of 2010. And that was a summer of, of really learning to allow God to refine me in that process of that pain mm-hmm. and just to let go of the control. Oh my goodness. That was like, it was mm-hmm. the hardest thing Yeah, because I, I felt security in being in control of my life and I got thrown into something where I could not control anything around me yeah. as much as I'd grown up in the church. And I'd always said, you know, God, I'm yours. I'll go where you want me to go. I was just clinging with closed fists. Mm-hmm. To everything that I could and so that process obviously it takes time but to fast forward it's that yeah. process of learning to let go it really also just illuminated where I was finding my identity you know for me yeah. I, I my identity yeah. was was in being that good Christian girl it was in being a wife that was where I was finding my worth and so mm-hmm. going yeah. through that and really seeing no like my worth yeah. is in being a daughter of the king and so I ended up, um, the day that I stopped wearing my wedding ring, I replaced it with a ring that said, I'm my beloved, so my beloved is mine, which Mm -hmm. a lot of people use for, you know, relationships. But for me, it was just, Mm -hmm. I needed that reminder that I was a daughter of the king. Mm -hmm. So you did your work. You did your work. I did. And the Lord just really directed you to you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is hard. It's a hard work, but it was so necessary. Mm -hmm. And we we say it all the time from stage Mm -hmm. that had God not redeemed our marriage like the work that he did in our hearts the work that that happened just through jesus like that that would have been enough and that's something we always want to tell people is that you know we do live in a broken world sin breaks things and we don't always get the redemption that we want and you know that that grieves the lord as much as it does us but But there is purpose in it all. There is always redemption, whether that's of the relationship being redeemed or just the redemption that takes place in your heart. He doesn't waste any of it. Mm. And when we come back, Chris and Stephanie will share about the unexpected restoration that they experienced. And... They will also speak directly to those of us seeking God's restoration in our own relationships and how we can participate in our own transformation. This is God Hears Her. If you're a fan of this podcast, sign up for our God Hears Her email newsletter and find even more inspiration and encouragement from women like you. These weekly emails are filled with stories you can relate to and other fun goodies that will brighten your walk with Jesus. 
Go to GodHearsHer.org and sign up today. That's GodHearsHer.org. Now back to the show. So who started the conversation as you guys were going to get back together? That was me. Um, <laughs> it was you. <laughs> that was me. Our story is is a lot of places in a lot of different ways. So if you're interested, um, you know we've gone in, in depth about what happened with me. But suffice it to say, I all the checks that I was signing, you know, to the empty bank account, you know, of sin, <laughs> of selfishness, uh-huh. they all bounced oh, at sure. the same time. And I just, <laughs> Good way to put yeah, it. I went down fast and hard and God found me in, in, in the bottom of that pit at the end of myself when I'd, mm-hmm. you know, driven the car off the road and into the ditch of my own sin and selfishness. That was where God stepped in and said, okay, I can work with this, you know. <laughs> yeah. You've had your eyes closed for so long. You've been living in darkness willfully for so long. But yeah. but now all that's been stripped away and I can work mm-hmm. with this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. thank God I mm-hmm. I think we do play a part in our transformation and that we're simply willing to be transformed. Mm-hmm. And I thank God that I said yes to his open hand. And so I yeah. started reading the word and um, asking hard questions, being vulnerable, like Stephanie said in the Psalms, you know, bringing my doubts, my fears, my, my pain, my mm-hmm. anger to God. And uh, he just started showing up and answering mm-hmm. answering my prayers. And I started hearing, you know, this still small whisper, you know, mm-hmm. maybe there's still hope for you mm-hmm. and Stephanie. Mm-hmm. I think maybe in the back of my mind, I always wanted to believe it was true, but, but I certainly didn't believe that voice right away. <laughs> it took several weeks, maybe even a month or so before I got up the bravado to call Stephanie's parents first. Oh wow! To say, Good hey, move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think they were just so grieved for. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways Stephanie said this before that it hurt them more than it hurt Stephanie in some ways to see their daughters mm-hmm. just so mm-hmm. ravaged. Yeah. Well, and they um, saw you as a son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We talked, and um, Stephanie's mom called her and said, "Hey." Some stuff's mm. going on. Chris wants to talk. And I, I came over to her house and she wouldn't let me in. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Good move, Stephanie. <laughs> that sounds so much worse than it is. Yeah. Well, for me, I had I had bought a house. Uh, we, being my family and friends, like we wrote scripture all over the floor. It was just my new, mm. my sanctuary. Oh. And so mm. we ended up walking the neighborhood for like two hours just swapping stories of, of what God had done, of what we had learned that year. Mm. And he's he was so transparent about everything, even the things he hadn't told me that had happened before mm. the divorce. And by the end of the conversation, he shares, well, God's told me that we should be together again. Mm. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, my answer was not, yeah, sure, let's let's go for it mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point. Yeah. yeah, what was your answer? Yeah, three, yeah what was Three your years of lies solved by two hours <laughs> there you of, go. of a war. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't know what words came out of my mouth first, but I know it wasn't what he wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. I think that just walking through that whole process of, of healing and forgiveness, mm-hmm. I, I knew that I, I didn't want to trust myself first Mm, and Mm. so I was perfectly willing to trust myself (laughs) and your emotions (laughs) yeah (laughs) I did not trust mine so um you know we we're we've been told Mm. and we always share how 
as much as I had forgiven him, that was a process and we're all called Mm -hmm. to forgive, um, just as we've been Mm -hmm. forgiven, but trust takes time and, and it Mm -hmm. should, you should take the time to rebuild it. And if somebody's not willing to take the time to rebuild it, then it's not time (laughs) for that relationship. So we agreed to take Mm -hmm. a few months separately to do some counseling. He was already in some counseling. So to continue that, to involve Mm -hmm. our our community, which we didn't do the first time around, you know, having our, our family mm-hmm. and pastors and people praying for us and all just coming to the throne to ask the Lord uh, yeah. what his will was for us. Mm. Can I just for a second, I want to grab some of these principles. Mm. What I'm hearing you say is do your own work, mm-hmm. get to know who you are, yeah, and let God work on you. Participate yeah. in your own transformation. You know, God can do anything, but when we participate and yield and relinquish control, there you go, Stephanie, you know, I I heard that, and you know, he is able in a different way to provide a different level of redemption, I think. Mm -hmm. A third one is respecting boundaries. You didn't just say, yep, 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 you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. you had your house and you had your boundaries. And Chris, you you knew the relationship with your in-laws and you respected that and you you bowed to yeah. that. Another one is trust takes time. Mm-hmm. So take the yeah. time it takes. It's awesome. You can't rush it. Exactly. You can't redeem three years and two hours. Involve your community. You don't have to do it alone. And, and then if I can top it off with the one we kind of started the conversation with, which is confess that you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. does. We're all gooey yeah. in the middle. If you put a toothpick in us and pull it out, it's <laughs> You know, we're none of us all are done. Not done. You know, I'm That's always right. saying if we're done, we'd be dead. So, you know, respect <laughs> that we don't know what we don't know and, and become friends with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, now you yeah. got you got to take us forward. Okay, <laughs> and what else? What else? Sure. So, uh, after that period of a few months of doing some counseling and prayer and all of that, we we came together. We were seeing the same counselor, so we came together uh, and met with him and along with everybody, um, not in the same counseling session, but everybody was in agreement that if if we wanted to pursue marriage again, that we should go for it. And, wow. you know, we yeah. believe wow. in, in a God that's a God of relationship and redemption. So... We started over. We went on a, our second first date. Oh. <laughs> um, I mean, we, we legit, we started over. He picks me up and everything. And obviously, like, with the intent of marriage, we weren't just going to, like, well, let's see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, within three months from that first date, we got remarried in a tiny little ceremony wow. with just our, mm. our family. Mm. And that was how many years ago? So that was 2011, February of 2011. Wow. Yeah. What would yeah. you say to the couple where mm. it doesn't round back mm. to yeah. healing in the way of remarriage? What would you say to them? Uh, well, we get mm. a chance to talk with a lot of them. Mm. Well, usually not both of them, but one of them. I would say mm. that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's so many hurting people out there pretending like they're okay. And you don't have to be one of them. It's okay to not be okay. Um, But I think the work that can be done in you will far outweigh the tragedy if you are willing to participate 
in that transformation. Mm. It's almost impossible to see it in the middle of that season because there's nothing you can say to, to convince someone who's in that season like yes. what the beauty will be because you don't know what you don't know. But God is good. He is faithful. He will do what he says he will do. And he promises to make beauty out of tragedy. And he will. Mm. I love participate in your transformation because I think sometimes it's easy to want to participate in someone else's transformation more than being present in your own. So good, Erin. Yeah. And I just think that that's so amazing that both of y'all recognize that Mm -hmm. in your own personal stories. Mm -hmm. That's what recovery and reconciliation looks Mm -hmm. like within yourself Mm -hmm. with the Lord to then for both of y'all to come together. I just think that's so beautiful. And Mm -hmm. I think that is incredibly hard. Yeah. And I I will have to add, it's an ongoing process, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. like, yes, our marriage is redeemed and it is, it is a new creation. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. just our our band name out of the dust it comes from what god did and how he brought he breathed life into mm. our marriage that was reduced to dust yeah. and and brought out something more beautiful mm. than we could have ever imagined mm. and so even with that we still like we have to remember yeah. to lay down our lives for each other every day because that is not our natural bent right it's not it's so good and i wanted to ask in the beginning when you started to share your story were there ever moments that you were like, could this happen mm-hmm. again? Like we're sharing this story mm-hmm. of, of God's faithfulness, but could this happen again and I be blindsided or any of those doubts? Did any of those thoughts pop up in your head at all? And then if so, how did you combat them? Because I think we had been so purposeful about how to you know, move forward in, in our second marriage, as we call it. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I ever fully thought well, this could happen again. Um, but for sure, there was, I would say the first, especially that first year, um, and we we knew we'd worked through with our counselor, him talking about, there, there are going to be things that trigger you. There are going to be things that happen that pull you right back to that place of, of betrayal or, mm-hmm. um, you know, you name it, whatever it is. And um, what was it that he told us? He said for the first, what did he say? For the first however many months, basically, nothing is off the table. You know, if something comes up and I need to talk about it with him because I feel a certain way, like you need to address it then. But after a mm-hmm. certain period of time, you need to put it to bed and move forward mm-hmm. because at that point, it's it's just going to keep festering Great instead advice. of healing. So yeah. Um, yeah. Chris, I mean, it really is just a testament to what the Lord did in his life. He didn't, he didn't give me reasons to doubt, you know, that those first mm-hmm. couple years of rebuilding, um, even just something as simple as um, he was he had one job where he was in a situation where he was around um, some drug use and he came home, told me and he said, hey, this is happening. And it made me want it. And just mm-hmm. him telling me that mm-hmm. that was a temptation was huge. It was huge for mm-hmm. me because before yeah. it would have just been hidden and then that would have mm-hmm. festered in him and mm-hmm. and come out yeah. in some other way. So That's good. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. You guys, are, are children a part of your lives? They are. We They are our two little images of redemption every day. <laughs> so we have, we have a, a son who is seven and a daughter who's five mm. who came after our marriage mm. is redeemed. That's so beautiful. I love the way you said that. They're your images of redemption. And I, I guess I'm wondering, mm. too, how will you 
share your story with them? Will mm-hmm. you, um, how will you weave the reality of your story into the mm-hmm. formation of your ongoing growing family? They've already heard it. They've come on tour with us and, uh, <laughs> and heard it from the, <laughs> oh. they've heard it from the other room, uh, many, many, many a time. Um, and we even wrote a song about them and it's called Redemption Skies because, um, oh. essentially they're, Love that. you know, they are our kind of trophies, you know, of God's redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, cause they did kind of passively wow. cause they're young and they've been on the road with this obviously not 2020 because that's a whole thing um but but the other years they were so they were so young they may hear part of the concert but they don't really pay attention but just the the last year that we toured our Mm -hmm. son we could notice like he's starting to to really think about it and so we actually just sat them down one day and really talked through it with them and and part of that was obviously we just want them to understand our story when they do hear it or hear other people talking to us about it but also we want them to see what God has done. We want them to see um, what it looks like to be vulnerable, to confess mm-hmm. your sin, and to see what God can do. Because wow, we just we want to set that example for our children. We don't want them to walk through what we walk through. You know, as we all feel as parents. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a they know our story, and the, they'll bring up things like, yeah. "Oh, that's like what happened with Daddy," you know. And so they they know, and they mm. also love digging in to the bad <laughs> stuff. Like <laughs> they'll remind. I think I didn't grow up necessarily like seeing the humanity of adults, mm-hmm. but like they love reminding me like, oh, daddy, like that's when you, <laughs> that's when you left or, or that's daddy. How many jobs did you lose? Or like, Cause I had a pretty rough stretch there. They Your love mirrors. Love, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. They love seeing our humanity. Oh, that's so good. Uh, well, I have a question for you guys. What would you tell the woman right now? Um, where she's in the midst of wondering if God sees her circumstance, feeling like she is doing the work and she still feels hopeless. What would you guys say to her? I would say I feel like we already know you because <laughs> we we have met and talked with so many. Mm. Before we even knew about the God Hears Her uh, book, we would end so many of our messages uh, hmm. with God. Mm-hmm. God sees you. God hears you. Mm-hmm. He knows you. He loves you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can say that because I know that for my side of the story, God had every reason. I gave God a million reasons to give up on me. I gave him a million reasons to not love me. And it was at my worst, mm-hmm. at my lowest point mm-hmm. when he said, you're ready and I'm, I'm going to work with this and I, and I take you, I love you right where you are and I'm going to help you and change this. Um, for the people on the other side, um, I don't know, maybe you have. Well, yeah, it's, it is such a hard thing because that is what you want to know, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. is he, does he care? Does he hear me? Does yeah. he, does he see this struggle mm-hmm. and this pain that I'm going through? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so much easier to say it on this side of it, but, but like I mentioned, you know, he doesn't, waste anything he's an intentional god he doesn't waste it he will turn anything he will turn ashes into beauty and and you may not see it you may not know what that looks like you may you have no idea how god is going to use how you walk through that struggle in the lives of somebody else in the future and uh, it's just it's going 
to be worth it someday. The way that you walk through it is going to be worth it. And you may not see the redemption that you want here on this side of heaven, but there is still redemption through Jesus for all of us. And speaking of Jesus, we don't, one of the most unique things about Christianity is that we serve a God who came to serve us, who (laughs) was known in his humanity, who is not far from us out somewhere in some dimension who looks down. He came down and does know the pain and the hurt Mm -hmm. that we have. Mm -hmm. He does see you and he does know you because he knows that pain himself intimately. Yeah, and I think one one phrase that we use all the time in doing ministry, I think it applies to so much, is our, our church always says, God will give you what you need to do what he's called you to do. And so whether that is he's called you to stand for your marriage and he, you don't know how you're going to get through the day, he's going to give you what you need to get through that day, that one day. If it's going to be months, he's going to give you the strength to get through those months. If it's to let go of something, he's going to help you and be with you and give you what you need to make it through. Yeah. Let's sit with that phrase for another moment. God will give you what you need to do what he's called you to do. Wow, he sure will. This is God Hears Her. Before we close today's episode, just a quick reminder that the show notes are available in the podcast description. The show notes not only contain the talking points for today's episode, but you will also find a link to connect with Elisa and me on social. So check out the show notes on our website, godhearsher.org. The show notes also contain a link to sign up for the God Hears Her newsletter featuring helpful articles and stories from women just like you and me who are discovering what it means to be seen and heard by God. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget, God hears you, He sees you, and He loves you because you are His. Today's episode was engineered by Ann Stevens and produced by Mary Jo Clark and Daniel Ryan Day. And today we also want to recognize Mary and Diana for their help in creating and promoting this episode of the God Hears Her podcast. Thanks, friends. God Hears Her is a production of our Daily Bread Ministries.